Welcome to Deep Tech 315. That's Doug. I'm Gene. It's a big week in mega cap earnings, and we're going to pick the top three, Meta, Google, and Apple, and jump right in here, Doug. Rewind uh, to about three weeks ago to one of our investment meetings, and we've owned Meta for the past couple years. It's worked out. I went and proposed that we should uh, be lightening our position going into the quarter because the stock had such a big move. And I remember you said, if we believe in much in AI as we say we do, Meta's got a great opportunity in front of it. Let's stay the course. Glad that we heeded that advice. And here we are. Things are actually coming together when it comes to AI for Meta. They're a pedal to the metal. Almost reminds me, of some of the optimism and intensity that we've heard from Microsoft over the past year when it comes to the paradigm shift. I was thinking the exact same thing. If you listen to the calls, Meta and Microsoft, it was uh, telling. I mean, basically the entire calls for both of them were about AI. And uh, if you contrast that with Google, which we'll talk more about in a moment, it felt like Google had some other things they wanted to talk about, uh, almost like they didn't really get it. Like AI is what matters right now. We need to be building AI products, period. It doesn't mean you have to ignore other products, but the market cares about AI. And I think that that is where the biggest opportunities are for these mega cap companies. I want to dive into what the specifics on that opportunity for Meta. Before we do that, just do a quick recap on the quarter. Stocks trading up 20% plus on the news. They basically beat by a couple percent. If you look at their guidance at the high end of the range, which likely they'll hit for the March quarter, it would imply a 9% raise uh, versus the street. The DAU number that we've gotten to know so well over the last almost 15 years they're going to sunset that. This is the last time we're going to see it, but it grew 6% year over year. That is to 2.1 billion people. That compares to 5% growth in September, 5% growth in June. And way back pre-pandemic, it was 1% to 2% to 3%, kind of a, a growing. So we've seen a step up in a number that I thought was almost impossible to continue to grow. Their ad pricing was up 2% year over year. That compares to last year in their March quarter, ad pricing was down 22%. And they've announced, uh, launched in the last, since their AI, I guess, day last fall, basically three new AI related products. And my question is, when you look at this engagement number, you look at what's happened with the ad numbers, it's still really not powered that much by AI. It's having an impact, but we haven't really hit a point where AI is truly impacting the business. Would you agree with that? I would. And I've been sort of arguing this for a little while where I think some people are saying, where's the AI revenue? And there's two problems with that question, in my opinion. One problem with it is how do you define AI? Google, Meta, Microsoft, all these companies, Apple, They've all been using quote unquote AI, machine learning techniques, deep learning techniques before we got into this generative AI moment that we're in right now. They've all been using AI in their businesses for a decade. So they've had impact from AI. Mm -hmm. They continue to have impact from that application of AI. And so when you say, where's the AI revenue, it's, it's almost an irrelevant question because it's not specific enough to define what exactly you're asking for. If you're asking for where's the generative AI revenue. I think we're probably starting to see a little bit of that from Meta now, 
where you can test ads, right? I mean, that's one of the big applications. We're going to start seeing it more, I think, in some of the messaging platforms. We'll bring it in for business conversations. Ultimately, those will be monetized. But I think on the call, I mean, they basically said, don't expect a ton of revenue this year from generative AI. And I think that that is a smart message. Mm -hmm. And that was the question I was asking is related to generative AI. And I think that's what leads me to uh, continue to hold us having Deepwater hold the stock is that I think that eventually that generative AI piece, like you talked about framing in some of those experiences, those products is going to have a positive impact on their business. We're not there yet. And you're right, as AI does impact one part that it's fun to look back our last couple of years, IDFA and Apple, that was about a 10% hit to their ad business. It took away their ability to help advertisers better understand attribution. And like you said, that they back in two years ago, they started talking about using AI to help uh, advertisers better understand, better uh, manage campaigns, do A-B testing on it. So uh, yes, AI is having an impact, but I was uh, specific to the generative opportunity and that still kind of lies uh, straight ahead. The one piece that still is a head scratcher to me is Reality Labs. Uh, they had a billion in revenue for the first time. They lost $4 billion. They said that they're going to increase their spending on a year over year, notably increase their spending in it, like $15 billion plus a year. I suspect that they're spending more than Apple is spending on Vision Pro. And uh, my sense is I just wish they would pull the throttle back here. I think it it's going to be a tough road for any headset maker to try to build adoption in the use cases. And I just think Meta, from a tech perspective, they're so far behind. Um, what's your take on just kind of how this plays out for uh, Reality Labs? I think when the core business is doing as well as Meta's core business is, you get a pass to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And that's what's different about the story now versus a year ago. A year ago, the core business was uh, declining. Uh, there was concerns, questions, is TikTok going to kill the Facebook golden goose? Obviously, that hasn't been the case. And so now I think they have so much more latitude. Not that investors don't care about Reality Labs, but I think that they get a pass for it. I'm surprised to hear you say that you think they should give up on it. I, I would not agree with that because I think they need to take some moonshots, right? Like if they have the chance to build the next computing platform, they should take it. Um, obviously, they also need to invest in AI. It feels like AI is really the focus of the company at this point. I think Zuckerberg has said as much several times. But I wouldn't say that they should uh, give up on what they've built. And I still think, you know, you think about the paradigm between iPhone and Android. A $3,000 headset from Apple, as great as it will be from an experience standpoint, is not a mass market device. There's room for someone to build a mass market device if this spatial computing thing is real. There will be room for a mass market device that probably won't come from Apple given history. And just to clarify, my position is I think they should throttle back. I don't think they should give up. I think this is a worthwhile investment. My take would be don't spend $15 billion a year, spend half that. I think you can stay in the game. And as uh, the overall theme starts to advance, I am a believer in Vision Pro. Thrilled to get our hands on it later this afternoon. And I think that uh, that it's, I agree with that thesis around the Android of uh, the, the spatial slash metaverse world. Because Google uh, isn't doing too much when it comes to spatial computing. So we'll uh, shift gears 
and talk a little bit about Google. So I mentioned what happened with MetaShares. Since Google reported their quarter, the shares are down 7%. They've had investors had a few more days to kind of process that. You talked about kind of what really jumped out to you was just a stark contrast between how aggressive Meta is going after AI and Microsoft. And Google seems to be a little bit timid uh, around this. And I kind of picked up on the, the same, uh, and I just don't get it. It feels like this has been their MO since the beginning of the generative AI craze, you know, a year, a little over a year ago now when it started. And I, I am of the growing opinion, uh, not even growing, it's my opinion, period, that Google needs to have a year of efficiency just like Meta did. They need to go and they need to cut heads. They need to regain culture. They need to get a fire lit under them and really go after AI. I think as a shareholder, I mean, we own Google, we own Meta both in our core Titan fund. We own them both in our public-private hybrid fund. And uh, what's frustrating as a shareholder watching it is Google has all the tools. They have all the access. Exactly. They've got incredible data to build great AI models. And I think Gemini is actually a good product. I've used it unfettered from BARD, and I think it's pretty good. On BARD, it sucks. Um, they've got the infrastructure. There's only three companies in the world that really have it, Amazon and Microsoft being the other two. And I think they have the talent there. But they just haven't, they've been so conservative to your point that they're, they're afraid of putting you know, great products out in the world. I think that's been OpenAI's greatest advantage mm -hmm. is they don't have the same resources that Google has. Even with Microsoft helping them, they don't have the same data. They've just been willing to put it out there a little more and Google needs to find that somehow. And it's a, so it comes down to like a risk tolerance for testing products, being able for maybe the model yields something that doesn't look good for their brand or, but just taking that risk is, um, yeah. and, and opening eye just doesn't have anything to lose. So yeah, they I just go for it. I think that highlights, you know, the difference and we, we see it, right? I mean, this is the generational thing, startups versus incumbents. When you're a big, one of the five biggest companies in the world, you have a lot more to lose and mm -hmm. everybody's watching you. The scrutiny is higher, the government scrutiny. We know about everything from uh, the DOJ side and the, the uh, you know, government watching every move that Google's making. And I think that that has made them scared to move. In some ways, it reminds me a little bit of Microsoft after the Internet Explorer mm -hmm. case. You know, it felt like they got in this period where, you know, they were kind of just stale. And mm -hmm. I, that's my biggest concern as a Google shareholder watching that kind of play out. I just want to see them do something to shake it up and get some of that fire back because, like we said, they have what, what it takes, I think, to build great AI, product, AI products, but they just haven't been delivering on it to the same degree and the same speed as OpenAI, Meta, like we talked about before, and Microsoft. The thing that blows me away is 2017, we start Deepwater. We have AI as one of our, our, our foundation themes, and we have Google telling investors, think of us as an AI first company. We used to do that buzzword bingo, how many times they would talk about AI. I bet they talked about AI as much in 2017 as they do today. And it, it just feels like a, a missed opportunity. It makes sense about that kind of incumbent uh, innovators, a little bit of an innovator's dilemma. I'm still optimistic uh, with you that uh, Ultra, Gemini Ultra is going to prove to be something exciting. And I think that their search business is going to uh, kind of get on the other side of this, see the other side of it. And I think that 
uh, part of the pain I think in Google shares this week is that search missed fractionally, which doesn't help the case that they're going to be able to navigate their search business through this when they have a, a slight miss at uh, their Google cloud was impressive. It grew 320 base points increase in growth. So that was a nice uh, reacceleration there, but we're staying the course on Google. And so we're going to shift gears kind of from the advertising world over to the hardware services world with Apple. For those of you who uh, haven't seen the results, the quick recap is they beat slightly for the December quarter. She was looking for 1% growth. They did 2% growth. Uh, China was down 13%. It was down 2.5% in the September quarter. China continues to weigh on guidance. They effectively guided down to 5%, a 5% reduction year over year for the March quarter. Previously, the street was at 1%. And when I looked back at the guide downs over the past year, is that it, it's, uh, this is as big of a guide down. They've had two 3% guide downs. This was a 6%. Uh, that surprised me. A lot of it was based on China. Uh, there is a lot of good news uh, related to what's going on with the uh, installed base, what's going on. Uh, grew at 10% year over year. It was 11% a year ago. So over 2.2 billion active devices. I think that's a sign that their ecosystem is great. Uh, also, I think good news relative to basically every market outside of China did well. Japan up 15%, Europe up 10%. But there's this other piece when I just take a step back and when you're when you're ripping through earnings, you get into all of the metrics. And then I, I jammed through the metrics and just stepped back and it was like, wait a second, the last six quarters, revenue was down two and a half percent last year. It was up a couple percent, it's gonna be down five percent. So really this hasn't been a growing business. And I just started asking myself, like, what's the true growth rate? of Apple. Uh, I've got an answer. I'd love your take. The true growth rate. I, I would say what the numbers are telling me is that Apple is toward the end of its bread pan. It's a phrase we use at Deepwater in terms of the market opportunity to grow smartphones. I mean, I think that the iPhone now we're 15 years in, it's still the best smartphone on the market. I don't think there's any debate about that, but is there still large untapped market opportunity for them to get more people to buy iPhones, I think it's getting harder. I mean, you've got full penetration in major markets. Maybe there's some opportunity in India, Southeast Asia. There's still some markets that are maybe open, but they're small relative to the rest of the world that's largely penetrated. So underlying growth rate, I mean, you know, I think it's probably lower right now than the underlying growth rate for Google or Meta by comparison. Meta, I don't think their underlying uh, persistent growth rate is 20 plus percent like we saw. But, you know, I think high single digits, low double digits is something those companies could do. And I would say Apple's probably somewhere lower than that. Yeah, we hadn't talked about this going into this uh, this podcast, but the number I uh, gravitated to was 5%. iPhone grew at 6% in the quarter. Obviously, it's going to take a step down in the March quarter. will probably be flattish in March. But yeah, it feels like that 5% growth with services kind of coming along. And uh, I think that, you know, there is this debate where we see outside of the stock here, uh, what multiple do you put on? It is a consumer staple. I'm just thinking about this purely as a tech company, purely as what's the growth question. And I think it's probably 5% is the underlying growth. And there are some wiggle room around the edges in terms of 
Does something happen with Vision Pro? I think if something does happen, we're three to five years away from that being a measurable part of the business. Could they get into other categories like automotive? Uh, yes, potentially. And so they're, uh, I don't want to say Apple's going to grow at 5% and that's kind of the end of the story. I think they do have optionality out there. But I think it's just helpful for me to step back and say, let's just look at this. And it's the reality is that um, half their businesses, the smartphone, like you said, smartphone market is slowing. They're gaining share within it, but it's still a slowing market. And they got to look for other things. It starts to make the Vision Pro, even though it's so far out, kind of increases the what's at stake here for them to try to crack that code. Because I got to believe the growth question is on Tim Cook's mind. That and probably what happens in China. I think probably those two things, and I would imagine generative AI is also a question yeah. in his mind. Thank you. brought it up finally yeah. on the call finally. for the first time. I mean, really, not the first time, but in It a was the first way. time. In prepared yeah. remarks, yeah, yeah, I buried the lead way. there. Uh, that, is, that's a, that is worth mentioning. As you said, Doug, uh, Cook mentioned it for the first time as prepared remarks. We have a prediction that they will announce a foundation model at WWDC. This should allow them to do generative, maybe eventually get into the market of doing personalized AI. By the way, Meta talked about having a, a, a AI chat bot to help you do tasks too. So it seems like that theme is getting some attention. So glad you mentioned that. That is important. AI could be a beneficiary to Apple here. Just don't think it changes that top line conversation. I think it's still kind of in that 5% range. Um, we're going to wrap there on behalf of uh, what's been a fun and informative week on behalf of Doug, Gene, and Deep Tech 315. Bye for now.